Hey everyone, and welcome to episode two. Today's discussion goes pretty deep as we talk about the downside of this hobby, FOMO or the fear of missing out and the ensuing burnout that may accompany it. It hits every collector at some point, but my hope for today's episode is that this discussion helps you realize that you are not alone and that our perspectives and experiences and tips prove to be insightful to someone who may be struggling. As always, if you wish to keep up the latest happenings of this podcast, or provide feedback, you can find us on Instagram at BigBadFigCast. Alrighty, let's get started. Bring me the next shiny new thing. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Big Bad Big Cast. This is Brett, also known as Geek Over 40. With me today, I have Phil. Say hey, Phil. Hey. <laughs> Short and sweet. <laughs> uh, and then <laughs> joining us from episode one, I have Marcus here. Go ahead and say hi, Marcus. Yo, yo, guys. Welcome. Uh, as we said ad nauseum last episode, we want to make this a relatable, truthful podcast. And what can be more relatable than talking about FOMO or what we also know as fear of missing out? This is the feeling you get that pushes those impulse buys that often has you regretting what you were doing and you just find yourself returning it later on or putting it on the secondhand market. We want to make it clear to you guys that everyone faces FOMO, everyone faces burnout, even those have been doing this for a while. So Marcus, as you know, is a seasoned pro. He's been doing a little bit longer than me. I've been collecting for about going on almost five years now. And then Phil, how long have you been collecting? Uh, 10 years this month. So <laughs> Phil's a carryover from the Flickr days. Yep. Yep. Back when, how much did Christo cost back then? Very, very cheap. We're talking like $20 at auction sometimes. And you get freebies as well. <laughs> That's wow. right, because because Ed's still waiting for that silk figure he wanted like six, seven years ago. <laughs> Ed, Ed spent Ed has spent years searching for a Power Man fig. He's got it now, but uh, I never had the heart to tell him that my Power Man fig from Crystal was free. <laughs> oh, well, oh my just, god! I, uh, I, I couldn't bring myself figs, to do it. Ed, if you're listening, now he will now know. You know. Now he will know. <laughs> you guys having a good week? Yeah, I just rewatched Hawkeye. I, I love that show. I don't think uh, many people would agree, but I just love the realistic aspect of what a superhero can be. I totally agree with yeah. you, Marcus. It's really fun. No, I really enjoyed it. Actually, when we were having that debate on one of our group chats about the color of the of Kate's right arm, how pink or purple it was, because we were looking at mm. Jaka's design and at Jin's design, and... I must have rewatched that scene at the ice rink when they're going through all their trick hours. I must have watched it like 10 times. And that was before I realized, oh, yeah, I was trying to look at the color of her arm. I was just so enthralled by watching all the trick hours and thinking, man, I just it's incredible. We're actually seeing this on on screen. This is my childhood. Yeah. And another thing is that Black Widow elements in the in the show. Very touching. Choked up twice. Um, one was when Clint was talking in front of 
the street, um, there's a plaque. And then um, one was where uh, Elena, he was confronting Clint at the square, right? The, the conversation. Oh my God, I got so emotional, I cried. It just, it just reminds me that we're still way overdue for a Elena fig. I, I just want to put that out there. I've been petitioning <laughs> for one for a long time. Hopefully, at one, some point, somebody does a Elena fig. Okay, so back on subject. Today we are again talking about FOMO or fear of missing out. This isn't something that normally I see talked about a lot in group chats or I've had people reach out to me with questions or even concerns. You know, you're not alone. And not only are we going to talk about our personal experiences, we will talking about how we overcame FOMO, how we still fight it, and how we overcome the burnout. So I came across this thing on the internet the other day, and it was talking about the seven phases of the impulse purchase cycle. Right? This is a study that they looked at a pattern of consumers' reoccurring feelings as the impulse buying process. This process included escapism, pleasure, reward, scarcity, security, and anticipation. And I think this kind of nails it all to a T. Escapism because a lot of us collect and get involved in the toy photography or collecting because it's it's just a lot more fun and relaxing than real life. Pleasure, because we just enjoy it. It's it's some of it's nostalgia. It's our superhero, you know, love or whatever your fandom may be. Reward, you know, we love getting new stuff. And occasionally as you work up the ladder and you forge new relationships with friends or resellers, you may occasionally get those kind of rewards. Scarcity. I don't think I need to explain that when it comes to custom minifigures. Security. I would say security is knowing that you've um, actually secured a fig. You know it's in the mail and it's on its way, which also leads into the final aspect, anticipation. I've had this, this theory before, and I wonder if custom minifig collection, it's not that we're so attached to the figs. We're attached to the idea of getting something in the mail. It's almost like a kid in Christmas. We just knowing that you're going to go home, there's a package waiting on your front step or at the FedEx depot or in your mailbox and you open it up and you get all these boxes and then you, then you unwrap everything, move the bubble wrap, you open up the cases, you see all the little accessories, you pose it, post it on Instagram. I think that whole process, that endorphin kick you get from receiving these items instantly dissolves any regrets you have about the money you spent. Until something new comes along. So the factors of the FOMO that I, I've kind of deduced on my own are basically the most obvious. All your friends are getting it. If you're in a group chat, that's dangerous because you know we have folks that can just some some of your friends may be able to afford everything under the sun. Some may can only afford, you know, maybe a college kid or a high school kid that can only afford one fig every few months. Or some folks may have gone through some sort of situation where their their income may be reduced and there's something hot coming out but all their friends are getting it and you don't want to feel left out there's that limited quantity part of the plan of buying a fig is figuring out okay how what is it limited to is it limited to 20 75 150 200 or is it a phoenix customs that's open pre-order so there's a there's a i've got time to think about it there's always that that urge to worry about when are we going to lose it so like in my in my group chat out of nowhere i'll get three notices hey a new secondhand market on rex is up and we feverishly all get to our phones and start looking and seeing what's available yeah so it's it's something that you know that limited quantity aspect especially when you're in a fight 
when you're new with this and you you see these other experienced collectors seemingly grab all these things that you feel like were never even available made publicly that does happen you know there are mm-hmm. there are layers of collecting where some folks who are longtime collectors I mean, let's be honest, they've earned that right. They've put in the effort, they've spent the money, they've built up those networks. So they may get a heads up of something coming and reserve it on the side. What What is foul would be if a brand or reseller were to say announce a fig and then never list it on the website, you know, do all private sales, back channels. That's not cool at all. That's not what I'm endorsing. But there are times when, you know, you might get a heads up of a fig. You know, you can probably say, hey, can I, can I get on the list for that? Or could you? Hold one for me when you know when it's available, and I'll pay it when when the pre-order comes up. Some resellers play that game; some do not. I'm not going to name names because everyone's got their own systems. Everyone has their own relationships with their resellers that they you know they feel comfortable with. But I can understand limited quantity definitely being a, a driving force for FOMO. Another factor that I, I see, and I actually saw this as recently as last night, is I need that fig because it's going to help me complete a set. I've got all the colors, I need this one color. Or I've got all the costumes of this character except for this one cat costume. Or this is the only character I collect and I don't have that brand's version yet and it just got released. Yeah. The impulse to complete a set, I mean, that's satisfying. Everyone likes to complete a checklist. It's, mm-hmm. it's natural. But that, that feeling of completing a set is always very important. For example, mm-hmm. You know, Earthly Bricks made those pad-printed arms for the Eternal Lego figs. And Eternals, the figs themselves, they all have printed feet or legs except for Sprite. You know, because she's, she's on those little micro feet or whatever they're called, the little tiny short legs. So imagine my surprise when I see that Earthly Brick with their Star Fox Eternal fig is including a set of pad-printed Sprite legs. I was over the moon. And I was bugging Mini Legogo weekly saying that the ship yet is it ready yet is it ready yet and i thought he was going to block <laughs> me and it's so but but the thing that that was very important to me and i didn't even i don't even give a shit about the star fox fig i really don't i just wanted those damn legs so purely completionist isn't it you know you all our time building I, I am you, you spent ages building those figs didn't you you know yeah absolutely uh the next factor uh, would be personal attachment we have we all have characters we identify with. Uh, Marcus, you referred mm-hmm. about like Hawkeye being grounded and being inspiring, and that's what a real superhero is. I think that's great. Yeah. Spider Man is obviously important to me. Uh, a nerdy kid growing up, just trying to get by. We have these personal attachments to characters. In some cases, we have personal attachments to brands. So I'm going to lead into that in a moment. These are all very emotional, personal, nuanced feelings that aren't wrong. So when we list these things off, I'm not saying these are factors that are wrong and you're wrong for feeling it, you're wrong for acting on it. I'm just simply helping you identify why you may be impulsed to buy these things, whether you feel like you need them or not, or even if it puts you in a precarious financial situation. So when we talk about personal attachment, that can also extend to brands, brand loyalty. We are in a golden age of customs where brands are much more open to engaging with their customers. Would you guys agree? Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely, yeah. But as you engage these folks and you start having conversations, you'll find yourself start suggesting characters and they may actually make that character that you're hoping for one day. And even if it's not because of you, you may feel 
I had a hand in that. I showed that I would buy their product. I showed that I have interest in that character and they listened to me. So naturally you have to buy that fig and then they put out a new fig and you really enjoy that brand because they showed that they listened to you. They did great customer service or they helped clear out a, an issue with a pre-order that you may have had with a reseller or they may have shipped you a replacement part for something that broke with no charge. You know, these things all happen. So now you want to show your loyalty. You want to show, I want to support that brand. They've taken care of me. I want to take care of them. Problem is, then that brand starts putting out like a new fig every month and it starts building up and building up and building up. And obviously these brands are not doing this on purpose. They're not being malicious. Obviously, of course, they want to make a profit mostly to recover costs so they can fund the next fig. Brand loyalty can definitely get in the way. And sometimes you feel guilty when you're like, oh, I, I really want this fig, but I just can't afford it right now. Mm -hmm. Or even worse, you need money for figs and you decide to sell off some figs and you're, you feel guilty for selling off a fig of a brand that you've been loyal to. I've had that. Oh, yeah. I've had that a lot where mm -hmm. I've got a fig. I'll just say it. Screw it. I think Abnormal's Scarlet Witch Fig is gorgeous. I think it's very well done. But I also have another Scarlet Witch Fig. I'm, I'm doing one of my rules, and we're going to talk about rules later, is not to have duplicate figs. I actually ordered the other Scarlet Witch in an act of FOMO without even seeing a render. No wrong choices. They're both fantastic figs. So now I'm going to put that Abnormal Scarlet Witch up for sale. I feel guilty about it because I love Abnormal. I talk to Lynn all the time and he's been very open. He's helped me with a lot of replacement parts. He's helped me work out situations where other customers, uh, you guys may have saw recently, I sold off my Soldier Boy. I didn't realize it, but it, one of the legs was blue from the variant version. So there was a bit of a mix up at the factory. Abnormal went out of their way to try and help correct the problem. But unfortunately, they could not. Marcus actually sold me his and Abnormal refunded me. Just today, I mailed off that new um, soldier boy to that individual, and they're very excited. So brand loyalty can be a motherfucker. That's just, that is mm -hmm. what it is. Do you guys have any inputs on those? Yeah, um, a lot of things you mentioned earlier is so true. I can definitely relate to what you said. Phil? Phil? Yeah, same, to be honest with you. I, I would say literally all the points you mentioned, I'd say all of the above. It's uh, you know, definitely loyalty involved. Like you said, unless you're incredibly lucky, you're not going to be able to afford every figure. So sometimes you have just got to sort of make choices as best you can. Sometimes maybe go without other things. That's something I've definitely experienced in the last 10 years. You know, sometimes I've gone without other things in life to ensure that I've kept my collection where I want it to be. But you uh, you can't always do that. But but no, no, definitely, literally, all those points. There's so many reasons that a person can collect, and and so many more probably that haven't even been mentioned. I think the only reason for collecting that I personally don't like is people who are looking to just flip a fig for profit. You don't get that very often, thankfully. But it's the only thing that I don't agree with. Everything else, you know, everyone is entitled to their reasons. But uh, that one, yeah, not so much. <laughs> well said. You know, it's funny You're talking about going back to the completes a set factor of FOMO. It's it's ironic that you're on this call because the last and you know where I don't know if you, you'll probably catch on where I'm going with this. The last muddy river figure that I need for my study collection <laughs> is sticking your shelf. And I've been bugging you for years about it. I'm missing the Carnage figure by Muddy River Midi Figs. Someone had presented with me 
one for sale. And it was a decent deal, still pricey, which naturally it should be because it's kind of old and rare. There was this massive, what seemed massive because the photo was a close-up photo, chunk of the plastic that was chipped out of the eye area. And if you're familiar with Carnage, his eyes are white. So it's a, it was a very obvious flaw. I had to talk to these guys to convince me not to buy it because I was so desperate just to finally have that damn fig. Instead, I'm going to see if I can outlive Phil and get into his will. Well, believe it or not, I was talking, <laughs> I was literally talking to a friend the other day and I said, if anything happens to me, uh, the person you need to contact to help you get rid of all these figures is Brett. And if you do, Carnage is his. <laughs> uh, I literally said that last week. Oh my God. I, I've told so, that to my wife about Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> but I do want to know, you, you know where I live as well, Brett. So I am scared sometimes. <laughs> well, I do have like several hundred dollars, I think, worth of your figs sitting in my, in my office right now. So, Bargaining chip. <laughs> so, so Phil being in the UK, obviously, and he's also a CB enthusiast and and a mini bigs enthusiast. So what he'll do is he'll order there in the US here, you know, the stuff here, and he ships it to my house. And then I just kind of stockpile. And then eventually we ship it out to him in one bulk rather than him paying shipping fees for every little order. And he's, and he's not the only one I do this for because I've got some other friends that I've helped with, but he definitely has the largest pile at this point. Going <laughs> the longest. I've got like, I think, 15 gin, gin figs sitting over here. I, I could really open up an eBay shop and clean house real fast. <laughs> all I ask is when you, when you get this box and you do your little loot post you always do, just have it all in one picture. I, well, I, I try my best. I mean, you've seen some of the big ones from before. Um, from uh, I, I think Sketch helped me in the past and Nick has helped me as well. And it's hard to get them all in one picture sometimes, but I, I yeah. will try my best. Just yeah. just remember, Brett, I know where you live. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about getting a P.O. box for the future. Oh, easily, easily. <laughs> all right. So, okay, well, let's, let's lead into that. Uh, Phil, do you have any experiences where, you know, FOMO has maybe put you in a bad spot? financial or otherwise or you had a deal with um, in the early days even though it was a lot quieter then it was still a lot of money i think i before now i've probably gone oh well i'm having a paycheck in a week i can go without food for a few days so <laughs> i was <laughs> no, just gonna say when you say go without there. things were you talking yeah, about like milk I, and I bread need, i need i need to lose weight anyway so you know <laughs> 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 Figure it's, it's a win-win situation but uh <laughs> But no, it's um yeah, it it, it is it's, it is difficult, and FOMO is definitely a very real thing. Like like you said earlier, it's just there's so many brands now that this scene has exploded so much that it, it is borderline impossible to keep up. So you've got to yeah. just sort of got to limit yourself to what you love the most, and and you've just and got to sort of learn to live with missing out. Sorry, new brands popping up every day. Yeah, constantly, it's crazy. When I started, they were literally four brands, I think. But Dragon Brick, Lab Nine. Christo. No, this was before all those. This oh. was we literally had Cristo online sailing, Clips Graphics, and Minifigs for You. They were the four big brands. Minifigs for oh, There was another little one called Custom Bricks too, but they were very quiet. They only released a couple of things here and there. It wasn't much, but yeah, that was literally it. They were so there were three pad printers at the time because I don't know if many people know this, but online sailing used to print in pad. Mm -hmm. um, and then we had Minifigs for You, which was the first sort of big digital brand, and then Pop Up Monkey sort of came in just after that then and started doing more affordable digital figs yeah, but yeah it was, mm -hmm. big kid bricks bought out the designs from pop punk yeah that's right yeah. Them a little it was, bit. Um, 
much happier days for the wallet back then. I have to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> what about what about you, Marcus? What's what's your experiences with FOMO? Oh my God, I have so much to talk about. I think it's inevitable that sometimes you get caught up in the hype and you impulsively buy something that everybody wants, but you don't need in your collection. Um, it's almost something like a peer pressure of sorts um, where you want to keep up with everyone and you end up with shit out of things that you don't need. And those things eventually stand out from your collection. Another thing is that you mentioned before is that you have that desire to chase every single thing from a specific brand or a specific character, no matter what, right? It's a completionist thing, which I'm certain that a lot of us go through in our journeys of collecting for me, basically Iron Man. So back in the day when Labline was a huge deal and their Iron Man's were the shit, I spent like a grand or two just to chase down the fix that I missed because I see all those pictures of everybody posting their Ironmans online. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I was like, dude, I need to get those. It's, it's sort of like a validation thing. If you don't have those, then you're not, a, you're not great at collecting. And you know, it's interesting That's you say what, that because that perception mm -hmm. is, is completely self-imposed. I can't yes. say in all my time I've ever heard anyone look at somebody and saying, Oh, you don't have this fig? Well, you can't even talk to me. You know, we do our flex yeah. posts once in a while. Like I'll flex, do a flex pose and say, yeah. here I have the whole set of pink spideys from feelings. But yeah, no one's ever said, you know, oh, you're missing that fig. You're not good enough. Or you're not, you can't hang or you're not a true collector. It's completely self-imposed. And I'm not sure yes. where those insecurities stem from. I'm sure we all have our own personal experiences. But it is interesting that even after having done this for so long, I still get that. That person has it and they have a, um, a respectable Spidey collection, but if they have it yeah. and I don't have it, that makes me less than because I'm supposed to be the guy that has them all. And mm -hmm. it's, it's an idiotic yeah. mentality to have. Yeah, it's a first world problem yeah. and it's a privilege to be able to collect any of these things. And I recognize that, but I also recognize yeah. next month I'll be 46 years old. I have a career. I, Busted my ass to get to where I am in this life. I've got my, my, I've raised some pretty good kids. You know, I've earned it. So when people say, oh, you're so lucky, I don't buy into that. No, you're not. Yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah, lucky. Yeah. I just, I worked really hard. Uh -huh. I've also hit that point where I've been in those, in that spot. I mentioned last episode, we talked about Spider-Man No Way Home. When that came out and just the most amazing thing happened of seeing all three generations of Spider-Man on screen at the same time. Every mm -hmm. brand jumped on it. Every brand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, everyone was like, I had so many DMs coming to me every throughout the for the next six months. Every time a Spidey fig was announced, hey, hey Brett, you're gonna get this. And I was like, <laughs> and, and I'm sitting here like, of course, or yeah, I already reserved it. What are you talking about? But the reality was, I had this, and you guys have seen it. I've got these trackers on in PowerPoint of like all the thumbnails of all the figs mm -hmm. that are coming or whatever. And everybody has done the Spidey figs by now. Abnormal hasn't, and Jaka hasn't done them all. I'm wondering if it's mm -hmm. ever going to happen. I you know, sure and, hope not. And if they do, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to lie to myself. I'm going to buy them. It was a really <laughs> stressful time for me trying to... Mm -hmm. I, I sound like such an idiot, but it was a really stressful time for me to try and keep up the, 
the visage of being a Spidey collector and having them all and still wanting to collect things on the side. I passed on a lot of figs that I really wanted because that money was going towards Spidey. And in the end, you get it in the mail. You're like, oh, yeah, another Iron Spider. I'll just put it with the rest. You know? Well, yeah. Well, That's definitely a bad sign as well, isn't it, when you're not excited for receiving these yeah. things as well, you know? Well, you know you're going the, going the wrong way about it. And it feels so empty. You're like, I should be glad for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. instead, I'm just like, okay, check that one off the list. You know, there's that completionist again. I will say Life Brick made me excited again when they released their Far From Home Spideys. Or they also was the yeah the Far From Home Spidey because uh, and the No Way Home Spidey the battle damage with the street mm-hmm. sign and the and the traffic light or whatever the other versions they did with the Doctor Strange Magic Cube box thingy that made me more excited because they they took it a little a little bit of a different direction but in the end I was excited I opened them up you unwrap them you look at your track checking your mail every day waiting for them to arrive you get them you open them up take a picture put them on the shelf. You don't look at them again. And that's really yeah. not a healthy way to collect. Well, back in the day, it was Iron Man that was on the rise, right? I kid you not. I spent 400 bucks on a white variant. It's a, uh, it's a Matrix Tony. It's oh, a, yeah, I've seen that one. It's from uh, Minifix Factory. And to be honest, I regret that purchase till this day because it's worthless now. Seriously, nobody wants it. It's not even an original suit. It's just something they mix it up with Matrix or whatever. Right. And speaking of missing out, back then I had no connection whatsoever. If you want to get Lot 9, you have to buy it from their official site. So I have to um, stay awake till 2 or 3 in the morning just to get on, on the site and then uh, fight everybody else to get one slot. Yeah, and that was... So, uh, I've been there. And for those who don't collect superhero figs or focus on Citizen Brick, it's like CB Day. And they were often... Yeah, CB Day every other week, man. And then look what happened. You, got, you spent so much money and time trying to build that complete Lab 9 hull of armor, and then they abandoned mm-hmm. the project. Now you're on Top Mountain, which I think... Hopefully they don't abandon the project because I'm all in. I'm trying to complete the set for Top Mountain. Dude, for, for Top Mountain, I even joined their must-buy group to just, you know, get every Iron Man releases. Right, right. For everybody who don't know what a must-buy group is, you have to literally buy every single release. So it's like if they release uh, something that you you don't want, but you still have to buy it to stay in the group to ensure that you have every Iron Man that you want. That's a cool system to guarantee you, you get what you want, but it's also a gamble because I remember for a while, Hot Mountain had steered away from Iron Man. It was, you know, they did Captain America. They started doing the Gundam and then you're stuck buying all these other figures wondering, okay, when's the next Iron Man coming out? It's good if you're if you're focused solely on that one brand, but like I said, these days there's so many brands doing so many good releases now that that's a bit of a nightmare. That scenario, I I'm not a fan at all of those uh, of those must buy groups. I always try to stay away from that. I figured if if they're insisting I have to buy everything, then I'll I guess I'll buy nothing. I'll yeah. go to another brand who isn't <laughs> like that, you know. <laughs> that's my yeah. uh, petty revenge, you know. I'll bring them down with my with my one man boycott, you know. <laughs> 
Well, I think back then Top Mountain was a pretty hard to get brand, wouldn't you say? Yes. And I had to secure a slot for myself. I stayed in the group for almost three years now, and I'm still buying everything they have. Luckily, that um, some of their their stuff is really easy to let go. So, and it it's not a problem for me anymore. Going back to some of the factors of FOMO. Mm-hmm. One thing I didn't consider while well, you're talking about completing a set, Phoenix Customs is a brand that a lot of people are insistent on collecting every fig they put out. LCM Bagels is another great example of everybody wanting to get every fig they put out, regarding you know, their Star Wars line. I'm going to put a twist to that. Sometimes people get caught up on numbers as well. So it's not just completing oh. a set, they want a particular number. So I'll give you an example, oh, a personal yeah. example. I started collecting Ling minifigures back with his first one, with T'Challa. Uh, I had known Ling for a while, back when he was just simply collecting before he started producing figs. You know, I wanted to support him. I wanted to you know, wish him well on his new venture. And every fig then I started getting, he started releasing. I was like, oh, I love that fig. And I also want to support. Well, here we are like, a dozen or so figs later, I've lost track because I feel like there's a new one every week and his production is so fast and yet the quality is still top of the line. It's amazing how he's pulling this off. Our theory is he's got a pod printer chained up in his basement. <laughs> Somehow it worked out where I started getting number 20 and that's my birthday. So now I literally have every figure of Ling's all number 20. What started as a joke is now an obsession where I'm like, I can't not get number 20 from Lane because I just, it would break up the set. You know, I want to support Lane. I'll always support Lane because he takes care of me. I'll I take care of him. But now it's like, if he ever were to release a fake, I can't say no. And if, if he does come out, I need to have number 20 because otherwise I'll have one that's not, not like the others and it will drive me crazy. Even though, these tiles, these little number tiles, sit in a case in a drawer that I never look at. It's silly, but that's the way it is. I think it's easy well, to break that cycle because I had a similar issue myself with Ling. I had, um, I, I wasn't asking for any specific numbers, but with these Inhumans figs, uh, the first three or four of them were all number 16. So uh, I remember that uh, for a couple of deliveries, I I specifically asked for number 16, but then the last of the Inhumans that he released, I'd forgotten to mention it to him. So I waited with bated breath, wondering if he'd remembered or not. I didn't expect him to, but uh, when it came through, it wasn't number 16. And for like five minutes, it was the end of the world. And then I just got got on with life. (laughs) I haven't (laughs) thought about it until you mentioned it now. So, you know, it's it's easy to break (laughs) if you really have to. (laughs) It's like a Band-Aid, you just got to rip it off. It is. It's just. Well, it, it, it's well, like mental illness, isn't it? It's crazy, but, uh, well, but yeah, you, it's real. What I thought I thought about doing was actually taking all those little tiles and putting them on a base plate as like sort of a wall decor, a wall decoration. Mm-hmm. That'd be kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be neat. Yeah, that'd be cool. Put them behind in the case or something, perhaps. So the other the other side of FOMO is burnout, and burnout can mean many things to many people. It could be burnout regarding collecting itself. It could be burnout about trying to keep up on Instagram. It could be burnout about creative ideas for photography, if you're into that sort of thing. It could be burnout just trying to keep up with the with your friends with all their collecting. 
But Marcus, have you ever had to deal with burnout? And if so, how did, what do you think caused it and how did you overcome it? Oh, for sure. For starters, buying fix almost felt like a chore now. Because the more experienced you are, the more desensitized you became. What I mean by that is that you hardly get excited about new releases anymore due to various reasons. For instance, technology is much more advanced than the old days, which basically levels the playing fields for all brands. Prints are more delicate, custom parts are more refined, and there's no wow factor anymore until someone like Gene came along and with new ideas one after another. Even so, like you gradually lose the excitement of getting new stuff. Like I can't remember the last time I opened a parcel and then be like, Jesus Christ, I love this thing. No, I, it's been a while. And what keeps me from burning out would be photography. I think I mentioned this before. If I purely just collect, then I wouldn't be doing this for this long. I never picked up a camera until I started collecting, to be honest. And I was inspired by a fellow collector, Sun Sao Chicken Bricks from Instagram. He was posting two or three posts every week on um, Facebook groups. And then I started thinking like, I want to do photos. And not, not for documentary reasons, I just want to create something for myself. And I started collecting because I needed a hobby to keep me away from video games because I spent too much time on video games and it's not healthy for my relationship. And then after a while, I find myself that I started to get bored. So I started trying photography and then I got hooked. So every time I have this feeling of burning out, I just go to photography. It doesn't have to be posting or anything, just, you know, just shoot. Enjoy the beauty of the fig and see what, what I can come up with. I also have this artistic needs. So I think having photography as a second hobby enabled me to create stuff off the figs I collect. It's great. Okay. How are you, Phil? Well, firstly, I just think it's amazing that collecting mini figs is better for your relationship than computer games. I would have thought they were both. <laughs> wait, you wait. Know, does divorce your, for does, divorce. <laughs> yeah, does your wife see the invoices? <laughs> You're gonna hide away. <laughs> But no, I, I definitely agree. And funny enough, you said about the photography, because you've said that quite a few times before, Marcus, but um, you guys are actually the cause of FOMO for some people. You know that, don't you? Because when you, when you guys shoot a fig, you can some you guys are able to make it look better than it does in, in hand. So you're making people <laughs> feel like they're missing out. So, so shame on both of you, honestly. I never thought of that. <laughs> until you, but the second you said it, it made sense. <laughs> I didn't even I, process I, it. I'm sure I've said to you before, I, to both you guys before now, you guys make me uh, feel bad about myself. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're too good at what you do. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's, um, yeah, it, it is difficult. Burnout has been something that I've, I've struggled with a lot. Sort of between my time joining Instagram, I took about an 18-month hiatus from collecting, where I was just sort of lurking a little bit. This was right around the time that Flickr was sort of limiting the amount of pictures you could have on accounts which is what caused the big sort of migration to instagram for me it was it was mostly crystal figures this was around the time that he started doing limited quantities and numbered cards 
Mm-hmm. Um, Crystal is a very hard guy to to build any kind of rapport with, and and you know he's that's nothing against him. He's not someone who's ever wanted to partake in the community, and that's fine. It's not for everyone, you know. But it just became very frustrating because suddenly these things that you love that you've always been able to get are suddenly things you're missing out on, and it's hard to accept. And especially back then, there there were a lot of alternatives. So that sort of sent me into a bit of a spiral. I did take a big break from collecting. I sort of had to to sort of teach myself it was okay to miss out on something. It's not the end of the world. Because no matter how much you want to fig, you're going to wake up the next day and your life's not going to be any different, even if yeah. you have missed it, you know? So that, that sort of thing has happened a few times, you know, obviously as new brands come up and become popular. Like you mentioned earlier, you know, sometimes brands have figs that have basically sold out before they've ever hit the main market, you know? So things like that can, can have an impact as well. So yeah, burnout is, you know, it's something that's very common. And it is literally just sort of remembering that at the end of the day, it's not the end of the world if you do miss it. And there's an aftermarket. As you guys said, figs are not worth as much after a long period of time. If you're patient, these things usually come back around, you know? True, true. It took me, what, four years to finally get a good fella's minifigs as Julia Carpenter's Spider Woman or Ragno Girl. And then in the last year, it popped up three times by three different people. It's always and, the way once you've got it, though, isn't it? Always the way. Oh my gosh, it was so frustrating. <laughs> that was a, that was a grail fig for me for a while. I like what you said about you know the world keeps spinning after you if you miss a fig, and that that is the truth. These things do pop up. the The inflation of these prices is also due to FOMO, right? It's not always about how good the fig is; it's about how much people want it. Like, oh, it's the new hot thing. And I would say that you know right now, like everybody was into like the boys figs everybody wants the last of us figs to happen but mm-hmm. would you really care about a last of us fig three years from now if the show's nope. over like say the show does like three seasons and it's done right they like they told the story they feel they need to tell pedro pascal's making mandalorian season 12 and they close the book on this chapter well yeah in five years six years you're gonna have a last of us figs these are gonna be like more nostalgia things like i have um i have lcm's terminator 2 figs you know, it's like Arnold, the Arnold Schwarzenegger and the Eddie Furlong, uh, John Connor fig. Mm-hmm. I got those because that movie meant a lot to me at the time back in 92. I was in a shitty time in my teenage life. And, you know, the Guns N' Roses soundtrack was phenomenal. And the video for that for that movie was great. I mean, so I'm not worried about like Terminator not being a popular thing later on. Mm-hmm. I, I would say this, this kind of goes into the rules that you need to set for yourself. And before we touch on that, I, I'll explain what got me through burnout because I've been burned out multiple times. So I started this account to document my collectibles for insurance purposes. And I failed miserably because I still haven't done that. And eventually <laughs> I met, and it's funny you bring up Soonsaw. Soonsaw is the reason why, how I discovered custom Spider-Man figs. And he's the one who no. set it in motion to get me start collecting Spideys. Kenny, <laughs> uh, what's Kenny's Instagram, KF86? Yeah. 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 So he has that mock he made years ago of Tony Stark's uh, villa on the cliffside from Iron Man Three. Oh man, that one! Jeez, with with the in- with the basement, it's all lit up, and it's back with it's all like Lab Nine type Iron Man and stuff back then. Yeah, and that's what made me discover there was actually custom figs. Period, because I thought I was being clever and buying the Iron Man Hall of Armor because I thought it was neat, and wondering, you know, what if I wanted to make a whole, a whole of armor. How do I do that? And that's when I discovered the Iron Man. Mm-hmm. That's when I discovered bootlegs. 
And then eventually I saw these artistic photos by Soon Saul as well. And that yeah. made me want to get more into the creative stuff. I, I did mm-hmm. Spidey Fig of a Day. If anyone who's been with me since the beginning knows, I used to do this thing called Spidey Fig of the Day. Because I had such a large Spidey collection, every day I would post a different Spidey Fig with a little bit of history behind it, uh, the actual costume, and maybe some sort of theme behind it. Like these are all the shiny looking Spideys or the robotic Spideys or bad guy Spideys. And that became work. I got burnt out doing that. I started taking really lazy photos just to get it over with. Changing gears is what saved me there. The photography definitely is the artistic element is what saved me because I'm a graphic designer by trade. I've been using Photoshop for damn near 20 years. And I felt that I don't get to do a lot of that kind of fun, creative stuff at work. My my work is more clinical. So Mm -hmm. being able to expand on my creativity and use the tools in Photoshop that I knew were available with the things with the toys that I love has been a great gift. But even mm-hmm. then Instagram stats, likes and follows and all that bullshit. So for a while, if I had, I had this fantastic four mock and it blew up and to this day, it's my largest like count. And I didn't post again for a while because I was, I felt like a bar had been raised that I needed to live up to. And it took me a while to get over that. So that's the other way I burnt out once. And then lastly, the way I avoided burnout in the future is I've created these projects. Before the, the Geek Exchange, I had the IGC3, which was the Instagram Collaborative Community Challenge. And I did a call yeah. for all artists who wanted to just meet weekly challenges or bi-weekly challenges to challenge their creativity. And it went well for a while, but then people stopped trying. So I just... I burnt out on it because I was tired of folks not trying as hard as they could have. And they were just kind of treating it like a, a joke. Uh, but for a while, yeah. the beginning, it was great. I mean, I got to meet some great people that I still talk to through it. So, mm-hmm. and then Marcus, you I was the a, first member. Yeah, you are. And, and I was the first member of your photography group that you created. So I've got to meet a lot of good artists through that. So community is how I avoid burnout. I, when I can't, when I get tired of the figs, I fall back to the people. You know, the great the Geek Exchange has been a good another example of these projects. This podcast has been a great distraction from the fear of keeping up with post counts and getting the figs and shopping and all stuff. The, these things, they, I basically I distract myself. That's how I avoid burnout. And I've actually got a few other projects already lined up. Those will be made known, you know, later down the line. So, you know, understanding what FOMO is now. And we understand what burnout is. We know how we've gotten over burnout. How do we avoid FOMO? That's the key. With all these naturally occurring emotions for gratification and that endorphin kick of getting something in the mail, how do we avoid FOMO or how do we mitigate it? Personally, me, I set limits. I set rules and I stick with them. So, for instance, after No Way Home, when I got bombarded by everybody and their mom making Toby, Andrew, and Tom Holland figs, I put my foot down and said, that's it. I'm no longer collecting UV printed Spideys. The only exception being Leco Leco because I love their work and I'm loyal to the brand and I'm a completionist. So, you know, I see how this goes. The affordability of digital printing is so cheap now. There's so many mm-hmm. people doing their own little side projects and their, their commissions, their one-off commissions that I would normally say, hey, I like to commission that as well for my own. I can't do it anymore. So I no longer collect UV printed Spideys unless 
it's a suit that's never been done before. And like with Citizen Brick, because I dabble in Citizen Brick, I, I don't chase misprints. I only get the yellow heads. I only get the gray zombies. And that has saved me a very large amount of headaches. And I don't collect Star Wars. I like Star Wars. I really do. You, you see me joke about Star Wars a lot. I really do love Star Wars. It was a core part of my childhood. But that is a very expensive rabbit hole that I would never be able to keep up with. And now the mm-hmm. custom community, the brands have discovered the value in selling Star Wars figs. It's only going to get more expensive. And I'm not yeah. going to try and play catch up. So those are the rules I've established for myself. Bill, anything for you? I, to be honest, I don't think it is avoidable. I, I think it's as inevitable as death and taxes, really. It's just, uh, it's like learning to steer into the skid with it. Like uh, like I said earlier, you know, it, it's just about sort of picking what you definitely can't live without and letting go of the rest, even if you really want it. Well, well hopefully, let me interrupt. Hopefully you can live without all these things at some point. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> don't get me wrong, talking about first world problems here, you know. It's, <laughs> you know but, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, for example, now, I mean, I, I used to, in the earlier days, have a much clearer image of what I wanted. So for me, it was always going to be, it must be just superheroes, nothing else. Uh, you know, so originally that was comics, but then of course it expanded into MCU and DCU and all that. But uh, uh, but that was that was fine. But then I took that hiatus, and when I came back, slowly but surely, I started just going crazy. I just I just completely lost all reason or rhyme. So suddenly I was buying up everything I liked from Eclipse graphics. You know, all the all the little printed tiles and that. Uh, CV was something that I'd avoided for about eight years, and then suddenly I uh, the the you know the floodgates broke on that. And, you know, like you said earlier about uh, the Terminator figs from LCM, I'd be picking up things that are not superhero related, you know, movie related, that sort of stuff. So for me, I do struggle to pinpoint things. But uh, as I mentioned more recently, I've had to sort of cut back a lot. You know, obviously things are getting more expensive everywhere and, and just too many things are coming out. So what I try to do now is sort of focus back on on the roots of what got me into this in the first place, which are comic book characters, the more obscure ones that haven't been done before. So for me, mm. I'm making sure that I don't miss out on the Mr. J releases, uh, Ling's releases, you know, anything that's a bit more obscure, a bit more comic accurate. But yeah, I, I do think it is unavoidable, uh, really, though, FOMO. It's just learning to live with it as best you can. Like I said to you the other day, is it just a case of crying in the shower and getting on with life? Or, uh, <laughs> <you know>? <laughs> <laughs> crying, crying helps. It's cathartic. You know, have a good cry, and then and then it's okay. You can move on from that fig, you know? And, and again, mm-hmm. like I said, often patience is the key. You never know when these figs might come back around. Uh, I've had several over the years. It's taken me two or three years to obtain a fig, but it feels all that more special then when you do get it as well, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, like uh, like I need I need Diamond's uh, lockjaw fig for my Inhuman set. I passed on it years ago, and now I want it. Uh, I'll will that one too as well, then, bro. <laughs> oh God, Jeez. killing me, man. I, you know, I, my... I don't do this anymore, but I used to send pictures of my figs to you, saying hi, waving to you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Marcus, what, what about you? Do you have any rules you've you've put to? Because you know you get these announcements, oh. and you just yeah. gotta. Um... How, how do you keep yourself? How do you make yourself take a step back and take a moment to think about it? Oh, I have a lot of faces to uh, restrain myself from uh, getting everything that I see. Um, I have three specific rules. Um, One is be specific about what you like. What I mean is I do like Star Wars, like you, Brett, but um, I don't buy everything from Star Wars. I pick and choose what I want. 
from the genre. For instance, I like Mandalorian, so I buy Mando. I buy every characters if it's on the market, but I don't go for you know cheap ones like for like the UV ones. I like Ahsoka. You just be more detailed and more specific about what you like, and you can either go all in on them or you don't. You really don't need to chase down everything. So another thing is that don't chase the hype. I remembered the、uh, She-Hulk、um, series was、um, was ending, and a lot of brands starting doing She-Hulk picks, and then alongside with Daredevil, the yellow suit one,、mm-hmm. everybody was like, "Damn, I like that. I want that." I remember there's four to five brands doing the yellow suit, and I was like, "That's not even that cool, to be honest." I mean. He's a cool character, and it's really hyped that she he appears at the end of the show. But come on, let's be real, the suit is not that great, in my opinion. <laughs> it's cool that he's coming back, but I don't need that suit. So、right. I I only ended up with getting、um, the clap with between Jean and Crosscheck, and then、so. the lastly will be. Set a target price for the things that you missed. This is what I do do the most because whenever I miss something, I just instantly go to the second the secondhand market and just trying to buy that one thing that I missed.、Um, I oftentimes I find myself buying it off with a ridiculous price. I would even go for double the the price of the release. I would say, so it's not healthy. Yeah. No, no, and you know that I see that happen in real time on auction sites like whatnot or even eBay. You know, people、yeah. paying for. I saw UV figs going for a hundred and sixty dollars. A UV Spidey going for a hundred and sixty dollars. That would have never have happened in a non-auction environment, where you、yeah. aren't feeling the pressure. Of getting that limited one of two or one of one fig, I mean, it was an excellent design. It was neat to see it, but it's not on a hundred sixty dollar fig, and there is no way you're going to recoup that money、uh, if you ever opt opt to sell it, regardless of how rare it is. It can be the only one、yes. in the world. If you're not going to get a hundred sixty dollars for it, you're probably、yes. going to get maybe sixty dollars for it. Yeah. So the yeah the auctions do play into that. If you walk into an auction, you need to know when you're going to cut yourself off. Otherwise, you're you're just going to go down a hole, and next thing you know, you're going to spend way more than you you can afford. But you mentioned、yep. about being specific about what you like, and how you dabble in Star Wars because you like Mandalorian. See, I know that I do not have the, the self control, and I am too much of a completionist that I couldn't if I got one Mando fig. I would need to get everybody that was on that show, and I think those who are listening that are into superhero customs are probably nodding their head when I say a lot of folks are trying to get every costume of every hero in the MCU, and that is a that is a difficult one because you get frustrated when, like I said earlier, no one's made Infinity War Black Widow, but、mm-hmm. we're gonna get like our twelfth, you know, 
Iron Man, you know, Mark Six or whatever. Knowing what you like and knowing the price are are, are definitely very important. Our buddy Ethan actually helped me acquire some bootlegs of the the bad guy Kree team from Captain Marvel. Now I paid like you know what, ninety cents a piece for these things. I get them and I'm like, why why the hell am I going to put these on my shelf? Just because I'm trying to represent everybody who had a speaking part in the movie, it's dumb. It really is dumb. Now, if you can afford this, you've got the liquid. By all means, you got the storage space, display room. Go for it. No one's judging. But did the same thing with WandaVision. I'm like, oh, I want a, a version of Wanda from every outfit, from every era of the show. You know, the 60s outfit, the 70s. I'm like, okay, who made Lyle Brick made the the, six, the 50s one, and so and so made the 60s one, and the rest are gonna have to be bootleg. You know, Jaka and Phoenix made the Halloween costumes. Why? Why? I get I get all these things. I get the bootlegs of the of the kids and I'm looking at them. And you know what I did? I was like, here's some spare parts for your kids to play with. Because I realized I don't need these. And it's just kind of silly. Yeah. And I would say part of the reason why there's such a proliferation of those trying to complete complete casts of shows and movies in the MCU. Firestar toys. And I'm not saying this in a bad way. I think Firestar is an amazing institution. I think they do a fantastic job of creating original and custom mocks of characters using, you know, existing parts and whatnot, but they're so good at it and they're so quick at it that it makes it feasible to think that you'll get eventually have a figure for every single character that was in the MCU. The waitress that they zoom in on in slow motion, like six times in age of Ultron, I'm sure Firestar will probably make a mock of it. If you tell them, you know, the guy <laughs> that ran past Dr. Strange in multiverse of madness alongside the cab. It's like, and he's, he appears like running past the same car, like four different times at different angles. I bet you they would make a mock. If you bring it up, they're very good at what they do, but even at 20, even 25 bucks, while that's much cheaper than a regular, you know, full blown pad custom. When you're ordering like 10, 12, 20 of these figures, it still adds up. Again, it's not that's not to shit on Firestar. I think they're phenomenal uh, with their customer service. I love ordering from them. I've gotten a lot of unique parts from them. But I called it as soon as Werewolf by Night aired. I'm like, 48 hours, Firestar is going to have something up. They'll have it all figured out. They're just that good. And sure enough, I fought for a long time to not buy those Werewolf by Night figures. It's like I don't need this. And it was it was it was a fight. So the piece of advice I would give to a new collector on this subject is set your rules now and be sure to stick with them. You've heard what we do. Come up with ones that work for you. Know your limits. If possible, we know time is of the essence from the time when a, a figure is announced and when it is available for pre-order. Don't commit to buying it right away. If you have got time to think about it for 24 hours, do so. If you're on the edge, my sister gave me the best piece of advice I think I've ever received in my life. And that was, if there's any doubt, there is no doubt. Meaning, if you are hesitant that whether you should buy that or not, there's a reason, don't buy it. You know, something's going on in the back of your head to remind you, trying to remind you, like saying, hey, hey, Phil, you don't need this fig, you need to get groceries. But what if it's a zombie? <laughs> <laughs> the surprise reveals we have sometimes with minifigures can be daunting because you feel like you don't have a 
an opportunity to breathe before you can make that kind of decision. But if you have that opportunity, one way to fight that, that sudden surprise, you know what figures you want. You know what characters you want. Make a list. Make a list of the characters that appeal to you that you've always wanted a minifigure of. Think of the different styles of the brand creators and what figures you think would look best in their style. Like Phoenix Customs does a phenomenal, consistent look with everything that Adam designs. His faces are unparalleled. He also knows how to walk that fine line between custom and the traditional Lego aesthetic. So you're not going to see like side printing, right? For a while, he wasn't even printing on the back of legs. Like his original Far From Home fig doesn't have printing on the back. It's plain red. So if that's not your style, if you want something that's a lot more custom, like a bunch of molded you know, pieces and whatnot, find a brand that does that. Like you may want the Winter Soldier from Lifebrick that just came out. Now, UG minifigs made a version one and a version two, which are actually very, very good. And they come with a little M16 with a, you know, with a grenade attachment and all that stuff. But Lifebrick, for chance, you know, just made a Bucky. And not only does it have the knife that he used in the movie, it also has that weird portable landmine thing that he shot under Nick Fury's car. It comes with a ton of accessories. And if accessories are your thing, don't buy UG. You know, if you know Lifebrick's going to come out with one eventually. If you own four different, you know, Phoenix Custom, Gold Brick collab Thors, I mean, Jocka releases a Thor that hasn't been done yet. Stick with Phoenix and GB. You know, if you love Jocka's aesthetic for this one particular character and you've caught every iteration that they've done of that character, then you don't worry about grabbing the next Phoenix one. Because then what's going to happen is the Phoenix one's going to come out. You're going to love it. It's going to be great. But then Jocka's going to come out with theirs and you're going you're to want to be loyal to that brand. You're going to want to complete the set. And you see how this starts. The cycle starts over again. Jocka did a phenomenal job with Jane Foster in, in that one that one set from Dark World. You know they're going to do Mighty Thor. You know they've got practice with the face. Maybe you want your Janes to match. You know, it's something to consider. Or Phoenix is going to do Jane Foster with GB, right? Because yeah, they're doing the, all the Thors. You know, think of it that way. There's options here. And sometimes you just got to be patient. I had ordered... Um, I ordered Abnormal's Harley Quinn, the one with the uh, from the first Suicide Squad with the with the jacket and all the blue and the red and all that stuff. I also ordered Howie Bricks and y- and YFAD's uh, Harley. I don't know why. I was so excited when I saw it. I ordered it. I completely forgot I ordered Abnormals. That's a, now that's a decision I'm going to have to make when they both you know they're both in my hand. You know, again, first world problem. One last rule that you can do to help you avoid FOMO. Connect with these brands. Turn on notifications on Instagram. You can get notified when they post a story or when they post a a new post. And then you can probably get a sneak preview of what they're working on. For example, Jin, Abnormal, PCB, Jocka, Crosscheck. They're all very nice people that will, will answer your questions. And if they can't tell you, they won't tell you if they're working on something. But sometimes they'll give you a hint. Sometimes I'll say, hey, you know, just stay tuned. We, you know, we've considered that character you're talking about. 
So don't be afraid to engage. You know, don't just rely on waiting for something to show up on a website. That being said, don't harass them. Remember, they're getting they're getting dozens and dozens of DMs a day. Uh, for Citizen Brick, they always post throughout the week what's going to be coming forward that drop. Look at it all. Make your plan. Say, all right, I'm just going to get that, then get out. So, I don't know. I I think we covered everything this time. Bill. Yep. Yeah, I think so. Right. The only one other thing I suppose it's sort of been alluded to but not been touched on, but um, just characters being done by the same brands, it's it's a very tricky one. I mean, I, personally myself, I've I've fallen guilty of this. You know, I've I've bought the same character from three or four different brands, and I admit I love looking at these characters and seeing how each brand has tackled the character, but it's just not sustainable, is it? You know, to keep buying the same character three or four times. So, like you said, really just stick pick an ecosystem and stick to it if necessary you know mm-hmm. or or not not even not even necessarily stick to it this is probably going to be terrible uh you know imagine this was parental advice you'd be i'd be shot for saying this but settle learn to settle <laughs> <You know? laughs> never tell your kids that obviously but uh but no seriously like say you you've got a jack a wonder and you know pcb's coming out well fomo is very real there as well isn't it you, is it going to be better or do you like it more but if you've already got the one and it's perfectly serviceable as a fig do you really really need to get this other one or replace this other one because even even the act of um of selling on and then buying other figs is it's just exhausting it's, as you guys know I, I never sell my figs myself but uh, uh i see you guys you know the, the little marketplace you guys have got, got going all the time and it, oh, it just seems absolutely exhausting <laughs> i couldn't do it selling figs is a whole nother episode <laughs> but yeah. there's a lot of drama in there there's a lot of frustrations and a lot of stresses it's you know a lot of jokers and people ghosting and people mm-hmm. lowballing. it's yeah it's it's a science and that and that is something i definitely want to explore in a future episode hey, if you want to keep yourself in check Tell your your significant other, you know, how much you're spending on fakes. <laughs> I was going to mention you, yeah. Neither of you mentioned your wives, and I thought you'd got, you know, that's the secret weapon. Oh, how, and, how she's, about, how <laughs> and she's going to be listening to this. So, hey, hon, love you. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you, you have to. My wife's uh, going to put a hammer down, man. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what <laughs> I've been doing is I've been selling figs to buy new figs. So it's kind of like a vicious cycle where I'm learning to let go. And then using that money to to fund future efforts. And I can't say I've added a new fig to my reserve list. I think I've added maybe one or two in the last month and a half, really. It's it's slowed down. I've slowed down by probably 70-80% because it's just it's just working out that way. Because I, I just think what the thing you said was about you know comparing Wanda's. Often we we compare them and we're like, well, this one's got a cool little different printed effect on the arm or this one's got painted hands but did you ever notice it didn't have painted hands when you first got it when you put it on the shelf and you never looked at it again exactly probably not we we've been having these discussions internally about side printing and how our tastes have evolved in our design styles of what appeals to us more lately and i definitely lean more towards custom than i do lego i'm not into the very classic lego at all uh, Adam is probably the limit of how much Lego look looking I want a fig to be. And many figs factory super molded parts are probably the other extreme of what I don't want in a in a custom. 
I just like having those little accents that make it ticket over the top. And it's fascinating how you get you don't get caught up on these nuanced details and you realize, well, because I'm staring at a close-up photo of this fig that when I look at it in hand, I can't even see the side of the damn minifigure because the arm's covering it. So why do I care if it's side printed or not? What I do say is I think for for people that are new here in the community, I think the most important thing I would suggest them would be information gathering. That's a key. If you really do want to get into this, like all of you mentioned before, you have to know the brands, right? You have to know what the what genre they tackle the most, their art style, their pricing strategy, and accessibility as well. Find your own taste, what you like, what you don't like. Like we mentioned before, be specific about it. And another thing is that you have to know the resellers, what brands they represent, their reputation, where they're located geographically. Reseller is a big part of this hobby because a lot of times resellers can help you in a lot of ways. For instance, if you got a bad part, you want it to replace, right? A reseller can help you do that. But if you jump around from resellers to resellers, they don't know who you are. They sure they will help you. If you let them know who you are, you make a name for it, it would be a lot easier. And they yeah. get to know you by name. They know they know you're a loyal customer. And they know that by helping you, it also works helps them because they know you're gonna talk about them to your friends and you're gonna advertise for them about how they've helped you. Yeah. And then another thing is that know the collectors. A lot of collectors are very knowledgeable. I think most of us seasoned collectors are very nice. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to ask. The reason I'm saying this is because I gone through a rough time when I started collecting. I spent a lot of unnecessary money you know, on the things I don't really need, I don't want, or, or I overpaid because there's nobody out there that teaches me about these things. And to be honest, you get so much information now, so much easier, whether it's on FB group, on IG, etc., etc. You only need a little bit of your time and you can learn a lot. So yeah, so the number one way of avoiding FOMO and burnout is to get to know the people in the community. Yeah, absolutely. I would just ask that when you do ask questions to anybody, be kind. You remember they are taking time out of their day to help you mm -hmm. use complete sentences. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Marcus? Because yes, yes. People will come to you and be like, who made this? I'm like, really, dude? Yeah, like, or, or, hey, or, or, or even better, sell me this. Sell me <laughs> this. Yeah, <laughs> I don't own you I just anything, posted that I just got it. I'm not selling it. Like, and when you when you approach someone like that, you're not going to get a response. You're going to get the bare minimum. Yeah. Just remember, we all talk to each other as well. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Word spreads around pretty fast. The room is too small for sharp elbows. That's what my buddy used to tell me. <laughs> so the community is definitely too small to be trying to pull some shenanigans. 
So I think we've hit all the points I wanted to cover today. Marcus, Phil, if you don't have anything else, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. All right. Yep, perfect. If you recall from last episode, I mentioned that episode three is going to be our interview with Adam from Phoenix Customs. And I look forward to that interview very, very much. And I look forward to hearing y'all's responses on these episodes when they all go live on 19th, when we reveal this podcast to the world during the 10th Geek Exchange. Until then, take care of yourself, take care of each other, and we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 All right, that's a cap on today's episode. I'd like to thank Marcus and Phil for lending their insights on the subject. And if you'd like to engage with them further, I've linked their Instagram profiles in the show notes. I've also provided links to the Hall of Armor mock that was mentioned earlier, as well as the Instagram profile of Soon Saw Chicken Bricks, who has been mentioned in the last two episodes as being instrumental in opening up our eyes to the world of customs and Lego photography. Have a good one. I want you on my rack. I want to make you ring. I want you to unwrap. I want to pull your string. Bring me the next shiny new